I got a bunch of word tonight. Hey, that'll even come up. Nice. Y'all ready? So, so um, talking about overcoming tonight. You ever had to overcome anything? Yes. Yeah, you have three babies, of course. Before the babies, I know. Yes, life is full of having to overcome things, right? Because you don't always get your way. I'm just going to tell you right now, you don't always get your way. Right, Sam? Huh? I heard you're moving to Whitehall. Yes, I heard that. I saw that on Facebook. Facebook's awesome, isn't it? You get to find out what everybody's doing. It is kind of, yeah. I'm, I am a creeper at times on Facebook. Don't tell anyone, though. So I, I'm going to start talking tonight about it. It's interesting. There was a, Jesus went to a house of three of his favorite people. So he showed up at Mary and Martha and Lazarus' house. This is before he raised Lazarus from the dead. And so all his disciples are with him, his entourage, or whatever you want to call them. They're hanging out. Um, and Jesus, what do you think Jesus is doing? Teaching. That's what he did. He, you know, every moment he used to teach. And so he's teaching, and, you know, there's two, two ladies in the house. Well, there's probably other ladies, but two, the house belonged to two ladies, Mary and Martha. And Mary was sitting and listening to Jesus, and Martha was making the food. And, it, you know, when you're cooking for a lot of people, sometimes you need many hands. And uh, Martha couldn't handle it. And it, at a certain point, she got exasperated. And she says, Jesus, help. Mary's sitting at your feet. I need her help. <laughs> and and this, is, this is the way Jesus responded to it. I mean, do you think, do you think, the food was more important than what he was teaching? No, you're right. So, so this is his answer. In, this is in Luke chapter 10, verses 41 and 42. I don't know if you guys got those verses up there. You got them, sir? Nice. I, they're not on this one. I know. Man, it's hard to get good help. I got a different version, so I'm going to have to turn around. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Oh, that's not the one. That's John 16, 33. You are messing with me. Luke. Yeah. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Martha was all caught up in what she was doing, and she just didn't have her eyes on the big picture. And a lot of times, when we're in a struggle or we're in the middle of something, we got to have our eyes fixed on Jesus. Martha didn't. Mary did. Okay? So, so I guess what I'm... What I'm when, just to start this off of what we're going to talk about, because I picked a movie. I didn't pick a comedy, although there's some funny things in it. I didn't pick a, 
a drama. I didn't pick a Pixar or a Disney. I picked a movie called Overcomer. And any of you seen the movie Overcomer? You've seen it. You've seen it. Oh, okay. So quite a few guys. Most of you guys saw it. Okay, so these guys up here, most of the old people haven't seen it yet. So they, they didn't even know what I'm talking about. But it's, a, it's an awesome movie. And, you know, it's about diversity. It's about struggles. It's about overcoming. And, and so in life, there's a lot that's going on in life. We got different things. I mean, today, I'm cooking dinner, right? My wife came home. She was tired. She wanted to lay down. She didn't feel good. She hasn't felt good. And so I'm making dinner. I worked till 5, and then I went to make dinner. And I turned on the, the pan, and I'm going to cook salmon. And I popped it out, and I turned the pan on, put the oil in. And then I went, oh, dang. I forgot to peel the skin off. So I got the oil. It's getting hot. And uh, got it peeled, seasoned it, threw it on. Oil was hot. There was a little bit of moisture on the fish. Got me on the hand. I got a first-degree burn because I got it in water, cold water, right away. But a lot of times in life, I mean, every day, something happens that we didn't plan on, didn't go our way, whatever. Fish tastes great, by the way. I love salmon. Um, so, so, so that's part of it. So I wanted to read another verse, John 16, 33. I love it. I saw him walking away and I nailed him. <laughs> this is Jesus. He, he says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. If you, can, if you memorize that verse and put it in your heart, I'm, I'm going to guarantee you, if you remember that, every time something hard happens, I mean, I was thinking to myself after I burnt myself, hey, that's a perfect example of what's going on in life, right? So it was okay. I, I got my eyes on it. And my wife had some burn cream. She went and got some burn cream and put it on. It doesn't even hurt right now. So it's cool. So let me, will you play me the, the first clip up there? It's the one about the coach. So just just a second, hold on. Um, just a precursor. For you that saw it, it's a reminder, okay? The coach, coach is the basketball coach. He's the head boys basketball coach in a pretty good-sized school. And his team played in the finals. And th that's the way the movie starts. And they're playing in the finals, and... His team is down just a few points, and they go back and forth, and they get the ball, and they're going down on a last-second shot. They put the ball up. It bangs in and out, comes out. Missed the shot. They lost it, lost the game. So they say, hey, I'm sorry, guys. You guys had a great season. You're a great bunch of guys, but everyone, every guy on that team is graduating. Not a single one of you guys are graduating. You guys got this next year, right? That's what he said. So then the big plant, a large plant in town, closes down. And a lot of the kids' parents worked at the plant or something or had a business depending on because of the plant. 
and so they all start moving out of town. So let's watch this clip. I'm going to step back. This guy, who was the head basketball coach, had a team that he believed was going to win the championship the next year, losing all his players. The only good player he's got left on his team is his own son. Everybody else has moved away. All the backups, and so he probably won't even have a team. And his son probably won't even be able to scholarship. And he's very disappointed. He's, not, he's, he's upset. He's been barking at his wife. He's been mad at his kids. And he goes to do this cross-country thing that this that was the school administrator says, you got to do this. Okay, that's my job. And he shows up, and there's only one runner, and she has asthma. It's like, I, I don't know. My kids have had asthma, and they've overcome it. But some just depends on the type of asthma, and it's a big part of the story as you go, as you get in to watch it. But it's uh, tough stuff. So the little girl in the movie, she's 15 years old. She's a sophomore in high school. She's living with her grandmother. Um, she's been told that, that her mother died when she was a baby. Um, from a drug overdose and that her father died too. And so she's been raised by her grandmother all the life that she remembers because she doesn't remember her parents. And so she's got that. She's a loner. She doesn't have any friends. She went to a new school, doesn't have any friends. And at some point in the movie, you know, someone said, why do you run? She goes, the only thing I'm good at. So she's got a self-esteem issue. I mean, I, got, I, I think she's pretty good at stealing, too. Remember that, right? <laughs> she stole a lot of things. So she's a thief. And, you know, and has got away with it. <laughs> Almost got caught once, but she outran the kids that were running after her. Pretty, pretty exciting stuff. Um, So when I was five years old, I went through the windshield of the car. Many of you have heard it. Um, it, it was a pretty traumatic event. Uh, I didn't realize how bad it was until my mom died. She died about four years ago. And after she passed, I went out to dinner with her best friend who was grieving and my dad, and uh, my dad at the time was 88, and her friend um, was, uh, I think, about 86. And uh, so they're there, and we're talking and telling stories, and somehow we got on the subject of the car wreck. And my dad, you know, I, I told him, I remember laying there, and hearing it, you know, my mom kept crying out, where's my baby? And I was five, and I was the baby for a lot of years, and then we had a, she had another baby who was a five-week-old little girl during the car wreck, and uh, her name was Connie, and Connie passed away in the wreck, so I lost my baby sister. My mom kept saying, where's my baby? And I kept saying, I'm here, Mom, I'm here, Mom. I I remember, and I said that to my dad. He says, yeah, he says, I remember. He says, 
And he said this, and as he as he talked, tears just started running down his face because he said, I saw you. And he said, you're, because you have a cut right here on my lip. And I had a cut here and a cut up here. And that were all major and then had other little cuts. But I had like 160 stitches that they put in me to sew me up. Um, my skin had laid back like this. They had it laid back. They were preparing me for surgery. And, and they had this. And it was there, the skin was peeled away and there was blood. And he said, and, you know, talking, he just, how traumatic it was to him just to remember seeing the image. I remember the taste of blood, but I never saw myself. You know, you know what I mean? They don't show you a mirror when you're laying there on the operating table or getting ready to be have surgery. But uh, I just remembered that and that how it that was it got to my dad. You know that he had to he had to deal with that. He had, his his wife, my mom, had a broken collarbone, a broken shoulder broken leg because she slammed on the brakes, you know, so her leg broke. She had a femur broke. And uh, she had, she was in the hospital for six weeks. It was a pretty tough road for my dad to overcome. And I just know when my dad died, he saw the light and he went to the light. I mean, it's like everybody hears about that, but unless you see it and hear it in person, you go, oh. But he says, look at that. That garment's beautiful. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. And she wants me to go to the light. That's what my dad said. And it was, he overcame. You know, and that's, that's part of life. Um, I got sick. It's crazy, but after the surgery, after that, and they sewed me up and I survived the summer and then went to school that, that fall. And within two weeks after I started going to school, I got a low-grade fever. 90s, sometimes in the hundreds. They diagnosed me with having rheumatic fever. And I don't know if you ever heard what rheumatic fever is, but it's a fever that attacks the heart. And most people get heart murmurs. Um, I spent first grade at home. I remember it as a, a great time because my grandma came and stayed and took care of me. Um, my mom was still recovering, still had grief. She had spent a few months at Warm Springs because she lost her baby. She was the driver in the accident. And it was pretty traumatic for my mom. And so um, she went to a, a mental ward because she had a, a breakdown. And so it was a tough year for me. And I, here I am with my grandma watching me. And I, I had an intercom. <laughs> do, I did school on an intercom, kind of like you guys do now. You're at home and you got the computer screen. I didn't have a computer screen. I couldn't see the teacher or whatever. But I could hear what was going on in the classroom. It was like a radio. That's what it was. And every once in a while, the teacher said, um, so what's your answer, Johnny? <laughs> and it was like, I got to pay attention the whole time? Are you kidding me? So she would call on me, and every once in a while, I'd be asleep, and my mom would say, he's asleep. So it was cool. You know, I could, the only class you can go to and go to sleep and not get in trouble because nobody was really watching you. Um, I was sick. They, you know, later they have said I didn't have rheumatic fever. They, the doctors believed that what I had was a, some type of an infection from all the stitches and all the cuts and internal and whatever. But it's something that when I went back to school, I remember the, 
the first day I went back, I went one time during the Christmas program. They let me go because I was feeling better, but then I got worse because I went outside. I don't know what the deal was. But uh, I went back to school in the spring after having a fever for seven months. And there was only a few weeks left, and the fever had gone. And, I mean, I, it was, it was kind of one of those school years. And I remember hearing kids You know, you know what I mean? Have you ever heard that? Someone say something behind you or as you passed that went, oof. I mean, it, it hurt for me because I was, I was the kid with the plague. I know what people that have uh, leprosy feels like, I think. <laughs> I just remember, you know, in the next year, kids started saying, my life growing up was pretty hard. Um, it just was. And I, but I know there was something my mom told me. When I, was, when I was young, a number of times, she said, John, God has a reason for you to live. Because within minutes of the accident happening, there was a highway patrolman on scene. He actually, actually was my neighbor that lived across the street. He was there within minutes. And he assessed and said, this kid needs help. And he pinched my juggler vein. Because every time that my heart would beat, the blood would just squirt out all over the place. It was a bloody mess. Um, my brother said it was the grossest thing he's ever seen his whole life. But this guy called on the radio, said, we need an ambulance, we need two ambulances. We got multiple injuries. There was a death, uh, two deaths. And he said, but I got somebody who's seriously hurt. So he pinched my juggler vein enough to allow the blood to come to my head, but not bleed out. And he held it for over an hour, I guess, before they started surgery and they could start doing the work on it. And so, I mean, the highway patrolman's holding on to me when my dad comes in. My dad remembers seeing it. You know, he had a towel wrapped around his hand and he was holding on to my juggler vein. It's like, whoo, okay. Quite the picture, huh? Hope you didn't eat dinner before you came. <laughs> it's like, oh gosh. So, She said, God has a reason for you to live because you should have died. You know, one half of 1% of juggler vein cuts in people survive. That's, that's one out of 200 survive. Yeah. So I'm a miracle. I got sick. Six years ago, got encephalitis. Um, the doctor said, I, I had mono, okay? Extreme case of mono that turned into encephalitis and spinal meningitis, and both of those can kill you. And the mono, because of the numbers, was an acute case. For somebody over 50, they say about 1% survive. They can get to that level, mine did. And they didn't catch it early enough. And I mean, I'm in a coma. I guess I would wake up once in a while and say something, but nobody could understand what I was saying. Um, Zeke and Josh's dad and mom came and visited me and prayed for me, and I woke up. I remember him coming. I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember Pastor Tim and Julie came and prayed for me. They laid hands on me and prayed for me, and I woke up. 
that scared him. <laughs> um, there was a couple other people that came in and prayed for me, and, and, and I woke up, and I was healed. But from that, I, had, I, had, I was the manager of the Department of Revenue. Um, it's an office here in town. It's up in the courthouse. We have five different offices that I was the manager of. I had one in um, Deer Lodge County, which is Anaconda. Always confusing because Deer Lodge is in Powell County. I had Powell County and Granite County, and I had Jefferson County besides Boulder. And I had encephalitis. And so they, I took quite a bit of time off while I was sick, and then afterwards I took a couple weeks off, but they really needed me in the office. I went back to work a little early. Probably shouldn't have. We had a we had an issue, a blow up between a couple employees that turned ugly, and uh, when it was all said and done, our manager lost confidence in me, asked me to step down. So I stepped down. So they took a new manager, and he's been managing the office for about five years, and they asked him to sit, step down. Apparently, there were some issues, not with me, <laughs> um, with some other things, and. Uh, he stepped down. So they opened the position up and I applied for it. I was hoping I could stand here today and tell you that I got the job. But I, this morning I got an email that said, um, thanks for applying. <laughs> but we chose somebody else. So <clears throat> life is going to be full of things that you have to overcome. But you know what? The last couple, the, This last year I've gotten three raises. It's interesting. They, they gave us the state, everybody got a 50 cents an hour raise, and then everybody got a increase within the Department of Revenue of what they should have got maybe in previous times, and that was uh, 40 cents. And then I just got 10 years back with the Department of Revenue and got another 52 cents or something like that. So I've just got like a, a dollar and 40 raise, which is kind of cool. But uh, I know that I have a Savior. I know that he has a plan. And I know I'm okay. You know, God has been taking care of us. Am I disappointed? A little bit. Did I expect God to do that? No. Did I pray about it? Yeah. But I prayed, God, let it be your will, not my will. You bring the right person in that needs to be there. So, so that's where that's where I'm at with that, and and so I wanted to read a few verses. So let's pull up Romans, Romans chapter eight, verses seventeen and eighteen. You got that? So it says, "Now we are for now if we are children, then we are heirs." heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. In this world, you're going to suffer. Sometimes you're going to suffer because you're a Christian. That's the best suffering. Because then you... You share in his sufferings, okay? Um, most of mine was brought on by other weird stuff. But I believe part of it 
that I got had to step down was probably because I was a Christian. I don't know. But I can't prove that, and I'm not going to try. God's okay. I'm, I'm good with it. But he says, it's nothing what we're going through now compared to what the glory we're going to experience when we get to be with him. And, and that's what you got to hold on to. That's what's going to help you to, to stay the course, to overcome, to keep smiling when you strike out <laughs> or if you drop a bowling ball on your foot. Or I don't I don't know how you heard it. How'd you heard it? Oh, that's right. It was a trampoline spring. Yes, you bounce on the wrong way and you do that. Sam knows about wearing casts, right, Sam? We we all have had something. The crazy thing is, I've never broken a bone. I went through some pretty tough stuff, but I've never broken a bone. Broke my nose a couple times, but that's cartilage, so it's different. So I can still say I never broke a bone. Um, if you'll give me Romans 8, 28 also. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So what it's saying is, if you're a Christian, it doesn't say all things are good for you. Okay, remember that. It doesn't say all things are good for you. But it does say, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who believe. So he's going to turn it into good, no matter what happens to you. That's his promise. He's going to turn it into good. And I know, you know, everything that has happened to me, God has turned it into good. I mean, I, 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 it's hard to explain, but I just know, I mean, I played darts with my son in the state dart tournament last year. Y'all say, what? <laughs> darts. So you throw it a board. And I was a, a state champion. I won the singles state championship in, in, in steel tip darts. Huh? Oh, that's right. I kept throwing things in his ear. And I was hitting his ear every time. I, I'm very I'm very accurate at right here. I'm pretty good with horseshoes too. This aim part is something that I've I've been blessed with, especially if you practice. But my son and I went and took second at the state dart championship last year. Um, I hadn't played in it years and he asked me if I wanted to play and I said, Sure. We didn't get to play this year um, because of the coronavirus. But uh as a dad going in with your son and winning second, I mean, I've taken second in doubles three or four times and played 16 years of very competitive darts. And I only took second in doubles twice. Or no, I think it was three or four times. But I played with my son one time and we got second. So that was pretty cool. It was, a, it was awesome. So there's, there's good moments in life. I mean, I have three kids that I love and they love me. I have a beautiful wife. I have a house on a golf course. And I play golf, by the way. I mean, God has blessed me. I, I, you know, you have to look at those things that, gosh, you know, but we got to share. 
how to share it. And that's one of the things God wants us to do. So here's another verse. 1 John 4, 4. It says, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one that is in the world. So the ones that you've overcome, if, if you're a believer, the ones that you've overcome are the, is the enemy, okay? He says, the enemy's going to come after you, but you have overcome them because you're of God. You're his children. He's going he's gonna to lift you up. So just trust him. I mean, I, I know I'm blessed every day. When people ask me how I'm doing, I always say I'm blessed and highly favored. I just do because I am. And, you, and if you believe that, you'll say it because I'm blessed because I'm a child of God. I'm highly favored because he looks at me. He knows every hair in my head. I know there's less now, but <laughs> he knows how many hairs I have on my head. He knows how many hairs I got on my back. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but it's, it's like he loves me. He knows everything about me. I am highly favored. I, I just, I get a golf. I mean, last year I only golfed 42 times, right? Only 42, but there was two or three years that I played over 70 times. And when I retire on the golf course, I'll probably play 120 times. So, I mean, that's blessed and highly favored. And I get to talk to people about Jesus on the golf course. It's awesome. So, just remember that. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. And I still go out on the baseball field. I own American Legion Baseball. And they're going to play some games this year. So if you'll turn to 1 John 5, verses 4 and 5. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. Get that, overcomer? Everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Verse 5. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And we heard Jesus say that before in John 3.16. This is John 5.5. 5. It basically says the same thing. You know, in John 3.16 says, for he who, oh gosh, now it's, I haven't said it for a while. <laughs> for God so loved the, what's that? Say it. Yeah. Whoever, gosh, whoever believes on him, gosh, will not perish but have everlasting life, right? There you go. Gosh, I, I, I never thought I'd forget that verse, but all of a sudden I went blank. But, but that's what he says. It's in the Son of God. You must believe in the Son of God. And, and so with that, I want to show this part of the clip. This, is, this part makes me cry every time I watch this.
Gosh, they do it every time. She knows who she is because she prayed for her salvation. She got into God's word. She was directed to go into Ephesians, read the first couple chapters of Ephesians, and to write down who she was in Christ. And that's what she came up with. She made a list. And I, you know, I would challenge you to do that so you know who you are in Christ. He's, he loves you. He has a plan for you. He has, he has everything for you. So that's, that's just a powerful part of the movie. It's not, I mean, it's not the most powerful part because just the whole thing of forgiveness that happens in this. There's a, there's a surprise twist in there. To set this up, the, the, the coach stumbles into the wrong room at a hospital. And he stumbles into a room and there's a, a blind man in the bed. And uh, who's there, he says, you know. <laughs> so they get to know each other and they start asking questions. And he comes back later because he wanted to know more because the guy was a cross-country runner and he's coaching cross-country and really doesn't know anything about it. And so he goes in to ask questions, and by the end, the guy in the bed says, who are you? <laughs> he says, I'm a coach. <laughs> okay, take that aside. Who are you? And he says, well, I'm a, I'm a teacher. Who are you? <laughs> if you take that away, well, I'm, I'm a dad. I'm a husband. Take that away. Who are you? And finally he gets to... I'm a Christian. <laughs> okay. So that's where you stand. You know, all these other things are more important than being a Christian. Shouldn't that be number one? That was his question. And so it really impacted him in his, as a coach and as a person. Why didn't I say I'm a Christian? Why didn't I introduce myself as a Christian? Why didn't I say who I am in this world, not in heavenly places? And so... At some point while she's running and stuff, he asked her who she was. So he asked the same questions of her. And she didn't know who she was. And then later, the, the lady that he had, he had talked to about um, being a coach, and she convinced him he needed to do it for one, um, she led the little girl to the Lord in the cafeteria. And the girl prayed to receive Christ, and then she wrote all these things down, and, and she wanted to respond to the coach. So that's what that was, was that was her response to the coach, who she was. But it just happened to be that she saw him in being a judge for drama, <laughs> and she wasn't even in the class. And she saw him, and she had the gumption to go do that. And after she walks out, the, the drama guy goes, Did you see that? <laughs> Like, you know, you guys need to do that. Find the passion. It was pretty exciting. <laughs> Why isn't she in my class? <laughs> it's a great movie, Isaac. You got to watch it. And we are. So let's look at a couple other verses. And then we'll wrap this thing up. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. We're going to look at four more verses. 
Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and improve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. God wants us to not be conformed to this world. We're not coaches. We're not teachers. We're not husbands. We're not wives. We're born-again believers. Who knows the king of the world? the God of the universe. Our lives should change. We should get excited about it. We should desire to share that with everyone. That's one of the things we're going to do is we're going to show this movie at the end of our movie thing. We'll show it again in four weeks. We're going to say, we're going to invite you and invite friends. Chance for them to, to know Jesus. So that's, and if there's somebody here that doesn't know Jesus, it's a great opportunity because this is, it's a great movie. It's inspirational. It's a, um, yeah, if you'll show me um, Romans 12, 1. No, 12, 12. No, 21. Can't read my own writing. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So many times we're challenged by something bad, and the thought pops in your head to yell or scream or whatever, you know, we can never overcome evil with evil. If someone's yelling at you, you can't overcome that by yelling. Overcome them with love. That's the response. Love. The opposite of evil is good. And love is good, right? Everybody loves to be loved. I know I do. Right, Cyrus? Okay, one more verse. John 1. 1 John. No, John, the book of John, 1.5. Gosh. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That's, that's Jesus. He shines, and it'll never be put out. So no matter how dark it gets in your life, shine. Because he shines. He won't be put out. So... Here's, here's your challenge tonight. Who are you? I know who I am. I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm a son of the Most High God. I'm his child. I've been redeemed. I've been forgiven. I'm loved. I know that's who I am. And that's my challenge to you, is to believe that for yourself. Believe those things. Believe what she said. Get them in your heart. Make them so that when those hard things happen, because they're going to happen. I mean, you guys aren't in school, right? Well, some of you guys. Been homeschool, you're done. Yes. So, but if you were in the classroom and now you're not, that's hard, right? All your friends, you're missing them. You're going to get a long extended vacation even though you're having to do classes. You're doing it on your own. You don't get that socialness. Hard thing. Um, but what I'm saying is, is that 
get it into your heart so when those really hard things, because this isn't that hard. I mean, staying home is really not that hard. It's harder for others. Isaac, I'm sorry. We got three little kids <laughs> stuck in a house, and it's snowing outside. Uh, so, but God will help you. He promises you will overcome. So let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for being the ultimate overcomer, Jesus. Thank you. Uh, I just pray that each one of us would recognize who we are, that you'd help us. And Father, just help us to, to believe it and to be ready when hard things happen. Lord, I know you, you, you love us more than we'll never understand. We thank you for that. And I just lift us all up tonight and help us to just enjoy that, to remember it, and to, to let it get deep inside our souls so that when the hard things happen, you'll be right there with us, that you'll shine in the midst of our darkness. Let's pray for everybody right now in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>